all you difference makers out there. I'm so excited about what the opportunities that you and I have. Today, I'm going to do things a little differently than what we would normally do on a Sunday morning. God just really apprehended me. And as I've been studying and preparing my heart to minister to you about making a difference during difficult times, I started that a week before Easter, before Palm Sunday, and I wanted to come back to it because God has set you and I up for such a time as this. You know, our mission statement, why we exist, right, is our four B's, that we are to belong, what, we are to be loved just as we are, believe in Jesus and his word, become a fully transformed uh, disciple of Christ, and to what, build or make a difference. Make a difference just right where we are. Just like Thursday night again, I didn't get the exact number. I'm sure it's well over 100. There was over 100 cars lined up here as our ministry team was t carrying groceries out to each family. And I just see how across the nation that people filling up football filled parking lots just waiting on food. And I know it can be a time that we can all focus on what's broken, what's missing, and focus on what's going on out there and forget about what's going on in here. And if we're going to be the true difference makers God called us to be, like I had shared with you, you know, during Easter, right, that, that prophecy from David Wilkerson about the bars being closed, the cities being closed, the governments being closed, and even the churches being closed, we've never experienced anything like that since our nation has existed. Even during the Civil War or World War I or World War II, we still had things open and were operated in most of our nation. So that tells me the sign of the times is that we have a dangerous opportunity. We have a dangerous opportunity. We have a great opportunity to go forth and to do things that we've never done. That means God's setting us up. But here's the thing, guys. You and I need to understand how do I tap in to a difference maker's anointing? How do I tap into a difference maker's anointing? Because God said that he is... He would not only make us wealthy when we focus on him, but wealth without sorrow. Wealth is not just money and finances. Wealth is the joy of life, the health that we have in life, the financial security so we can sow and invest in others and build God's kingdom. So as we begin to think about it, how can I be the difference maker God has called me to be? I had to go back some 10 plus years in my own personal life and just begin to think about, mentor myself, Lord, what, what have I done in these times before that were at least similar to this? And I go back to over 10 years ago when my mother had passed away, and it was a very tough time in my life. And then we just moved into this facility. We had, the church had millions of dollars of debt. And just overnight, we hear the economy's crashed. Remember 2007, the economy crashed. And stock market crashed, and they're, they're crushing used cars, and, you know, GM is bankrupt, and everything's going on, and, and I just watched the stock market kaplump. And during that time, nothing that we had done, we'd been standing in faith, we'd been paying our bills as a church, doing everything we knew to do, but because all these external events, one of the most difficult times in our nation, all these external events, what did it do? It, it brought on hardship. I remember 10 of our top eight businesses that tithed to Bethel at the time had either went broke or were basically broke within just a few months into this crisis. 
our average people, we were still, they were coming to church. Boy, they were, we were growing in attendance because people were hurting. They needed a word, but the problem was they couldn't get paid. The problem was there was no jobs. There was no employment. There was not businesses that had the money to invest in employees. And, and just virtually everyone in the church took a huge page cut, pay cut. And I bet 30% had totally lost any employment at all. And during that time, as I was going through it, fighting through it, a couple years into it, we'd gotten on the other side of it. I mean, it was touch and go whether we'd even be able to keep hold on to the church and the property. And as we're a church of faith, a city on a hill, God, what's up with this? I'll never forget it. And Steph and I, we just went through a lot of things trying to figure this out. And several years into it, as we're getting on the other side of it, I didn't realize it, but I'd went into a time of depression. I'd been in that fight or flight mode to believe for faith, for us to get to this property, to have a house big enough to fit all the people that were called to be in the Bethel family. And then after that, the economy crashes, my mother passes away. Just all these events that's happened, like really within one month of each other, it, it really had taken a toll on me that I wasn't aware of because I was constantly focusing on the external stuff, building my faith to attack it, not realizing that inside all along I was dying. The very, very key principles that had gotten me to the place I was to, when I gave my life to Christ, came off drugs, came out of the party and scene and began to turn my life around and, and became a business person, then a, a minister and all these events that had happened and through my times of education and careers and all that had built me to such a place that God could use Steph and I and her as well to, to launch a spirit-filled, multicultural, multi-generational church in this city and in this region. And we'd already been planting churches in India and in, in Kiev, Ukraine, and eastern Kentucky. And it just seemed like, man, we're, we're finally, we're, this is just the small beginnings of what God has for us. But I didn't realize as I was doing that and just constantly feeding people and stirring up their faith, encouraging them, challenging them, all those things— Inside, I began to get disconnected. Inside me, my spiritual house, I began to doubt myself. I began to even doubt God. Now, whenever you're in tough times and you got to go through these difficult times, you don't want to be in a place of weakness. You want to be in a place of strength. But what I thought was a strength was really a weakness putting on that front, quoting my scripture, standing strong, you know, making sure I didn't doubt, making sure I didn't have fear. But really, deep inside, I had all those events. I was just masking them over. And maybe you are finding yourself in a place today where you're just masking over fear. Or maybe you're in a place where that's all you talk about is fear. Either one will set you back. And what I want to do today is to help you as a difference maker, part of this ministry, part of the kingdom of God, as we build God's kingdom, to do it in a healthy way, to do it in a way to where we can address what's going on inside of us and then begin to replenish our spiritual man and our soul so we can enjoy the journey. So we can have the right mindset and understand why we exist, right? And what the plan God has for us. Because remember when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he said, hallowed be thy name, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I don't 
I know there's no poverty in heaven. I know there's no disease in heaven, no fear in heaven, no sin in heaven. But we're in it all the time, right? Because Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, I pray that you don't take them out of the world, but I pray that you make them one as you and I are one. So what does this do? During this time, guys, during this time of stress and pressure that we're all under, no matter where we are, if we're not worried about ourselves, our own family, we're worried about people we love, people we know, especially being a pastor and a business person in the community as well. I got employees outside the church that work in business for me. I got, I got the church here that I serve and lead. And, 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 I'm, and I, people I pastor and shepherd and love that are on my heart all the time. I, I think about, did they get paid this week? I wonder how they're doing over here. They're in the server's industry. Are, are they getting any compensation? How are they feeding their kids? How are they take, taking care of their rent? All these things go on in my life, not just for my family, but for those I love and I serve and I lead. And I know it's no different for me than it is you. Everything's relevant. Everything happens based on, on, on the perspective from the person that these events are happening to. And if I, I just begin to say, God, I mean, I could stand up here and preach faith, preach power. We have miracles. We have blind eyes open here, deaf ears. And, you know, people get financial breakthroughs. And around 40-plus businesses started out of this church last year. And this is a year nothing less than double. This is a year, you know, that we're going to have supernatural advancement. What? Through clarity, growth, and vitality. Now, Lord, what should I give them? And I struggled all week. What should I give you? And God said, why don't you give them what I gave you? I about choke up when I say that. He said, why don't you give them what I gave you? So I guess this is the difference between a pastor and an evangelist or a teacher or a prophet. I love all those gifts. But I'm just going to shepherd you for the next 30 minutes or so. And I, I promise you, uh, if you know, I know you know people that need to hear what they need to do during these tough times and not some message just to puff them up for 15 minutes and then they're by themselves when the you know, when they go offline. But you need to share right now. You need to invite people. I'm telling you, what I share in the next 30 minutes will be one of the most life-transformational things for any believer. Even an agnostic would receive ministry during what I want to share with you. So I want to pray right now for you that God would just open your mind and heart and that God would draw everyone that needs to see the broadcast here today on our social media platform that he's here for you. And there's a plan for you, and it's going to be okay. But the key is, will you be okay? The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. The key is, they're ordered, they're ordained, but are we going to take the steps we need to take to walk in that favor and that blessing? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice. I pray that you would just empower me to share what you want shared. Nothing more, nothing less. God, you said you'd use the foolishness of preaching. If I got to be a fool today to build their faith, if I got to be a fool today to get them healed, to get them strong, to get them encouraged, let it be. Because it's not about me, God. It's about you and it's about them and those they love and serve. So speak to us today. Use your servant and we give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. I'm going to sit down for a few minutes and talk to you from my heart. As I shared in the beginning, the mission of this house being the four Bs. And remember I shared with you early on that revelation, what does revelation do? It's the, or, 
it's an ordained effect that brings change to whatever position you are in. Whatever position you're in your life, whether it's a place of sadness or joy, a place of poverty or, or financial overflow, a place of peace or a place of turmoil, wherever you're at, the revelation, what's revelation? It's different than knowledge, right? It's different than man's understanding. The Bible says, lean not on thy own understanding, right? But we're to lean on what the understanding and the knowledge and the revelation of the Father. And as we lean on the revelation of the Father, what happens, he begins to raise us up to another place of thinking, believing, and, and releasing faith to place us in the topaz, the position of opportunity he wants you and I in, not for us, but for others. So as we talk about that, the scripture we have here for this year is what, Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Remember, I shared with you for several months that we need to learn how to ask God before we think. We need to know what to fill our mind with, who needs to be on our throne. According to what? The power that works in us. Not according to what's going on in the world, what's happening good or what's happening badly, but according to the power, the Spirit of God, greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. According to that power, that's what? Working in us now. Verse 21, to him be glory in the church. Doxa, made visible, made seen. By who? By Christ, the anointed one. By Christ, the anointed one, Jesus to all generations forever and forever. Amen. So God's plan is that forever and ever we are to live through that anointing and power of the Christos, the anointed one, and the Spirit of God living in us, able to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves so that we can be positioned and placed in an opportunity or opportunities to be a difference maker in someone's life. Man, I've been hearing difference maker stories, and we got to get more testimonies out to you. And it's so cool to see the lives that are being transformed and changed. You know, when I was going through that difficult time, Steph, man, just she's just a rock for me. And she said, Sonny, "Honey, there's I know people can't tell you're preaching, you're standing, you're believing, you're you're doing your best, but I could tell you're wore down, you're wearing down. I'm concerned. I think you need to get some help." And we talked to some friends and. I flew out to Colorado to a man of God, he and his wife, and spent a week with him. And man, he just began to minister to me, love on me, let me share my heart. I wasn't a pastor there. I was just a man, a father, and a husband. And as I was, I began to get some keys. And he really just let me come to the answers because, believe me, the answers are in you. What you need is in you. Whatever you need is in you and around you, but you've got to be aware of it. You've got to see it so you can possess it and apply it and one of the things that I began to realize was my issue was not so much with people or the economy or expectations or drive my issue was that I allowed something to begin to deteriorate my relationship with my heavenly father I came to the realization that he was lord and savior but he wasn't daddy the the latin word for abba is daddy or dada and, and to me, where you know the story, many of you, my father passed away when I was three months old. I had a stepfather for a few years, and then he was killed tragically in a coal mining explosion. So I, I really never had that, quote, father figure consistently in my life. 
So it's difficult for me. I could relate to God as a coach or as my Lord, as my all in all and be all, my Savior, but I just didn't understand what a father was and the heart of a father. And during that week, I began to get some tools that helped me with it. And I came to the realization that I could never truly live the fullness of his grace, what he has done for me, the finished work, until I understood he is grace. I could never truly love others until I understood he first loved me. I'd been living this, in this performance trap my whole life performing, performing to get approval, to be who I think I'm supposed to be, like I'm sure many of you are living in it now or have before. And all of that time, having some success, you know, success can be the worst thing that happens to you if you're not healthy. And I didn't realize that there was some, you know, it wasn't that I was unhealthy all at one time. It's just when the pressure comes, you find out what's inside you. And so many times the events that's going on in our life, guys, we can handle because it's not too much pressure. But when it gets out of control, beyond your pressure, beyond any wisdom or reference you have to go in and deal with it, those difficult times can become overcoming times. So you say, well, pastor, what did you do? It's very simple. I call it STP. STP. Stop, think, pray. You say, well, pastor, how's that going to help me? Stop, think, pray. Sure, whatever. Is that something some dude from the Orient said? What is that? Stop, think, pray. See, the key is when you stop, you're stopping when you see the negative stuff go on. When you hear the voice, I'm failing, I'm going to blow it, we'll never make it. What's going to happen to our home, our car, our family? What's going to happen to our life, our ministry? Whatever it is, that fear of loss. When you're starting to live in a fear of loss, then that's what you think on. Think on. Remember, I told you a few years ago, wherever your focus goes, what, that's where your energy flows, your emotions flow, the momentum in your life flows. And what we got to realize is until we learn how to capture this, I got to stop. So the first thing is stop torturing myself, stop tormenting myself, stop rerunning. Remember, the one that preaches to you more than anyone else on the planet is you. The voice you hear more than any other voice, including your spouse, your parents, your kids, your employer, or anyone, the voice you hear 90% of the time, if not 98% of the time, is your own voice. And the key is, what are you saying to yourself? What is constantly going on in your thinking, in your mindset? And that's what I mean. When I stop, what am I doing? I'm stop, I stop thinking about what's bringing me down. I stop thinking about what's making me angry. I stop thinking about what's bringing fear or anxiety or stress. I mean, I'll just wake up sometimes stressed and go, why am I stressed? I went to bed. It's a great day. What is it? Even in your sleep sometimes, you can wake up in a state of anger or stress or fear or uneasiness. But this tool I'm going to give you today, and we may do this a couple weeks, it'll begin to break this off of your life, and you'll be able to take control again. And for some of you, it'd be the first time ever. So you stop. What do you do? Stop thinking about whatever it is you've been thinking about, even subconsciously. Because remember, we live 75% of our subconsciousness, not what we're conscious. We only live about 25 to 30% out of what we're consciously thinking or talking about. There's about 70 to 75% of your existence just happens by reaction based on what you've already done or known or what's in you. So I stop. 
thinking about whatever that thing is that's been frustrating me, and then what I do? I pray. But see, prayer, communion and conversing with God, asking, receiving from God, is not just picking a favorite scripture and throwing it out there. Prayer is communing and conversing with God. So what I need to do at that point is pick the scriptures that deal with what I've been thinking about that's robbing me of my peace, robbing me of my joy, that, that's bringing a fear of loss or anxiety or depression or whatever it might be, frustration on my life, and, or making me just simply complacent, whatever that is. And as I stop, think, and pray, what happens is now I begin to speak back into it. So what are we doing? Our mind is, we're constantly asking ourselves questions, aren't we? And if we ask poor qu- questions, we'll get poor results. So as I began to practice this, and just really I came up with the initials myself, stop, think, and pray, I realized I am asking myself the wrong questions. Now I'm going to go through a few questions I was asking myself during this time, and let's, maybe you can reframe it to how you ask yourself, and then I want to show you what I had to do through the principles of the Word of God to replenish my soul, to replenish my mind and my heart and my energy, and to take back control and be the difference maker God called me to be. So one of the questions that I had, and most of these were directed toward God, really all of them, when I really got right down to it, because he was my Lord and Savior, and I'd sold out 100, what I felt 100% to him, and I didn't feel I was getting 100% back. Now, I didn't have the, the stupidity or the courage to talk about it out loud, but that, that's what I felt. You know, you'll get frustrated with your kids or your spouse, and you'll never really tell them what you feel because you're afraid they'll leave you or slap you or something, right? But, but you hide it down in there. You'll give them parts of it, or you'll hint, or you'll talk around it. Well, you know, that's the way preachers do with God, too. I was just kind of hinting to God and talking around it and not getting to the point. God already knew because Hebrews 4 says he knows not, and 12 says, not only does God know my heart, but he knows the very intentions of it. So God already knew my heart and what I was thinking. So he already understood. He just needed Dalton to get it. So one of the questions that I had to God is this, is uh, not trusting God to be there for me. God, why are you not meeting my needs? God, why, why can I not trust you to meet my needs? I, I sow, I tithe, I teach people to sow and tithe, I work buku hours, I do everything I can, but there's still not enough at the end of the week or the end of the month to take care of what the ministry needs and to take care of families and hurting people. And, and, and I'd begin to lose trust for God. And, and so what I had to do, I had to stop. I had to first of all think, wait, that's what I think. That's what I really think. I might want to sugarcoat it. Maybe you have some thoughts like that. Is, is there times in your life, maybe even right now, you're like, God, everything was going great. The economy, my family, I got this raise, this job, this business going. And, and I put all my trust. We were building and building into this, Lord, and now I could lose it all. What's this all about, Lord? What? What you're really saying is, I don't trust you. And we know the simplest form of faith is what? To know and to trust God. First of all, to know, epnosis, E-P, I can't, epnosis or ekgnosis. It's a Greek word, I can't quite pronounce it, but what it means is to, to know as impregnating, to be intimate with. God wants you to be intimate with him. To know and what? Trust him. That means I know and I trust he will do who he is and what he said he would do, right? 
So while we stop, think, and pray, I want you to take a second. Is there any area of your life you don't trust God with? If you don't tithe, you don't trust God with your money. If you don't sow into other people, you don't trust God with your money or your time or your influence. If, if, if you are not who you are with people all the time, in other words, that, that you're the same in church as you are at work, then you don't trust God with your relationships. So, so what is it you trust God with and do not? Let me give you a few things when I stop and that hits me and I think about it, I think about what is it that's got to break here, then I pray. What am I praying? Now I'm praying the scripture into the, the, the thing that will break whatever it is I'm dealing with. So when I'm dealing with not trusting God to be there for me or to meeting my needs, here's a scripture. When you hear it a lot, a lot of times you hear me quote my scriptures. Ephesians 1, 3, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has, everybody say has. So if you're worried about your finances, he has blessed you. If you're worried about your relationships, he has blessed you. If you're worried about your health, he has healed you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, what? With every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So whatever I'm facing, Whatever stronghold is, it's not greater than the, the stronghold of heaven. And, and whatever that is that I'm dealing with, I want you to get this now, whatever place I find myself in, whether it's anger or happiness or fear, joy, whatever I find, God and his position and his spiritual gifts are stronger and mightier than anything I'm facing alone. So don't face it alone. We say it like this, the old prayer words, get alone till you're not alone, Right? And a lot of times you don't even want to be alone because all you do is hear your mind tell you how messed up you are and how stupid you are and how could you let that happen or why didn't you do this or that, right? So what's that doing? That's keeping you from being a difference maker for God. So if we're going to be a difference maker in difficult times, we have to know that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing, whatever I need, whether it's a spiritual blessing of salvation, infilling of the Holy Spirit, financial breakthrough, you know, to get me out of poverty, Whatever it is, whatever it is, wholeness, freedom, whatever spiritual blessing I need, in Christ I have, but I have to access it. Here, here's another scripture for that. I'll read it out of, out of uh, the Message Bible, Hebrews 11:5 says in verse 6, it says, It is impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Ask us a question. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists, look now, and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Do you feel like God cares for you? I mean, are you in a place right now and you've been witnessing to your family and they're doing okay, but you're not? Or do you find yourself in a place, a position right now where you just can't seem to get yourself up? You just can't get these things that could happen that are negative to you and your family off of your mind? Well, then what you got to do, guys, is what? you got to have faith. Faith is what? Knowing and trusting God. Going back to his spiritual blessings, stop, think, and pray, and begin to speak these and other scriptures like them as the antidote over your mind and over your situation, and they begin to work in the heavenly places around you and your life. Here's one that I had. I felt that God, God, why are you absent or distant from my life? God, I, 
pray, I fast, I sow, I serve, I preach, I teach, I do my best to forgive and to love. But I don't feel you like I used to feel you. I don't feel you wooing me, Lord. I, I, don't, I, I just don't feel you in my intimate time with you like I used to feel you. God, God, why are you absent? Do you feel like maybe right now with all this stuff going on in our nation, that's why a lot of people get all negative, you know, like it's the end of the world and the end of time. <clears throat> because they feel God is absent. They feel like God is neglecting them or God is neglecting our country and he's bringing judgment. There will be a time of judgment, and it will be a lot greater than what you're facing right now. Believe me, this is not judgment time. Right now, it's time for the grace of God to bring us into him, to be wooed into him. You say, well, well, Pastor, when you stop thinking about God being distant or God being absent, what, what do you do? How, how do you replenish yourself? Here's one of my favorite scriptures in Jeremiah 29, beginning in verse 11. God says this to you, and here's what I say. Here's what I say to Dalton. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and hope. Wow, so what's God think about me? Am I a failure? Am I a loser? Am I stupid? Am I messed? No, no. Here, God says, Dalton, you want to know what I think about you? Here's what I think about you. I know your thoughts. You're not hiding anything. You think you're hiding the unclean, the ugly, the angry, the messy, the fear. You're not hiding it. Dalton, I know your thoughts. I know your stinking thinking, your deadly thinking, and I know your healthy thinking. And if you want to be a difference maker for me, Dalton, buckle up, little buckaroo. That's how God talks to me sometimes. Buckle up, little buckaroo. Get a hold of this. I know not just what you're thinking. I know all those thoughts. So why are you trying to hide them from me? He says, I know your thoughts. And he says, I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. He looks at me not to hurt me, but to heal me. He looks at me not to lose me, but to save me. He looks to me not to empty me, but to fill me. He looks to me because he loves me and because he knows me and he wants me to have his peace. Look now, and to do what? Give you a future and to give you a hope. That's what God wants for you. God doesn't want you sitting around watching the news 10, 12 hours a day being angry and depressed. He doesn't want you coming up with all your silly hypotheses and, you know, what this could be or could be or might have been. And then he, then he says, here's what I think about you, peace and not evil, to give you a future, to give you hope. And then he tells me what to do in verse 12. He said, when you begin to feel, you say, well, why don't I pray? I should pray. I feel so bad. Because you don't think that God really wants you to have peace. Because if you knew prayer brought peace, you pray. Well, I fall asleep. I get tired. I just don't know what to say. You don't have to. Read the scripture out loud to him till you get it in you. If you're not praying, then you're not calling upon him. He says, if you know that I think good things towards you, peace, peace and not evil, and good thoughts and good future and a good hope for you, Dalton, wouldn't you want to come and communicate with me? Wouldn't you want to know me? Wouldn't you want to have a better relationship with me? You see, we, we make it too churchy. And we're, I'm guilty too. We're, we're really pretty good performers. And that's why so many people watching or coming to church, they, they even feel more lost and more messy because the problem is they're, they're, they're trying to relate to the performance. 
They don't get to connect where you connect. We're not connecting to our fears and our joys. We're not connecting people to our hurts and our healings. We're not connecting them to our intimacy with God so they can be intimate with God. But he said, here's what you do, Dalton. He said, once you feel that I have good for you and not evil and a hope and a future for you, he said in verse 12, then, everybody say then, then you will call upon me and go pray to me. And you know what he said he'd do when you do that? Not, aha, I got you. I knew I'd get you, Dalton. You weren't as smart as you thought. No, he said, and then I will hear you. Wow. I mean, is there anything greater God could say to us? Is there anything more powerful or that could bring greater wealth or anything else or peace then God says, when you pray, when you communicate and converse, have conversation with me, when you ask and receive from me with a heart that knows I'm not out to hurt you or cause evil or to cause harm, but a heart that knows that I want to give you a future and a hope and to have peace, when you come to me like that, he said, and you call on me, I will hear you. And I will listen to you. Then he says, when you know, listen to this, guys, we may not get beyond this today. When you know that I really hear you and I'm really listening to you, look what he said you'll do. Then you'll seek me. Wow. Then, then you will seek me. Why don't I seek God? Why, why don't I hunger for God? Why don't I desire more of God? Well, we want more of God now because of fear. I remember back whenever Desert Storm, the first Desert Storm happened I was serving in a great church at Columbus, Ohio. You couldn't get the people in the building. Multiple services was packed. But as soon as it was over in a month or so, guess what? Everybody went back to their life. But see, what happens, guys, is this. When you begin to see God as peace and not evil, to bring you good future and hope, then you will pray to him. And he said, when you pray, when you communicate, have conversation with him, ask and receive from him, he said, he will listen to you and he will hear you. And how do you know? There's got to be something. If God, if I know God heard my prayer, that means something had to get answered. If I know God is listening to me, something in me, even though I don't see it physically out here, something in me knows that it knows daddy just heard me. And he said, when that happens, look what's going to happen. When that happens, then you will seek me. See, a lot of times we treat prayer like it's seeking God. No, prayer's the warm-up. Seeking God is when you pursue him. He said in Mark's gospel, he said, when you knock, I'll answer. When you seek, you'll find. He said, if, if, if your child, you of this world, Jesus said, if you, you earthly fathers who are evil, if your child asks you a, a, for something good, you'd give them a serpent or you'd give them a stone. No, you would give them your best. Why would my heavenly Father be any different? That's why Jesus said, I, I don't pray in John 17 to take them out of the world. I pray that they become one as we are one. And I don't even think it was talking about just one with one another, unity in churches and Christians. That's an overflow. I think it was you and I being one with him and the Father. Each individual difference maker, each individual believer would be one as Christ was one with Daddy, with Abba. And he says, when that happens, you will seek me 
And when you search for me with all your heart, you'll find me. Think about that, guys. When we seek him, when we search for him, we're going to find him. Until we accept that God is really the one, guys, listen, until we accept that God is really the one with the answer, we call on him, not to him. That means I'm communicating with him, not at him. Let me go another 10 minutes here. I'll give you one more. Anybody want one more? If you do, put some comments in. Say, lay it on me, Pastor. Give me some more. Oh, here's a good one. Here's a good one. Here's one. I'll end with this one. This is a good one. I believe this will help you. Question number seven from me to God. (laughs) Giving me just enough of him. God, why do you give me just enough of you to get the job done? Do you do it just so I can do more? God, God, do you just give me enough of you, enough faith, enough anointing, enough finances, enough health, health in my relationships, in my body, just to get what I need to get done for you, and just so maybe I can do a little bit more for you? Is that the way you feel, saint of God? Is that the way you feel, difference maker, that you're doing just enough? Not so you get it done, but so you'll have a little left over to do a little more for God, but you're not getting what you need? <sighs> STP. If that's the way you feel, you need to stop right now. You need to think about that. You need to think, is that really God's plan for me? Come on. Does he really just want me to have just enough? Does he really just want me to have just a little bit? Or, or has he got a different plan for my life? How about Philippians 4.19? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Think about that. He said he would supply all my needs, but it's he's got to be my God. I think a lot of times maybe our careers are God, our spouses are God, our kids are our God, our hobby is our God, our health is our God, our religion is our God, but is he God? If we want the fullness of his supply, and if we want to be difference makers in a difficult time, guys, he's got to be our God. He's got to be our daddy, our Lord, and our Savior. And get this, not only should he be our God, but he should be our supplier. And he said, how does it come? His riches doesn't come through a plan. His riches comes through relationship. He said, with who? His riches in glory by Jesus Christ, by Christ Jesus. It it still comes through the grace of God. Remember Romans 5 said that uh, for for the the law was given through one man, the first Adam death came, but through the second Adam, eternal life came. And then it said on down there in in Romans 5 that, I'm just kind of going off the top of my head here, that the law was given. Moses gave us the law from God, right? But grace came. Wow. Who is grace? Jesus. Christ, the anointed one. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, the one called alongside us. The anointed one, the Christos, the anointed one, the Christos. The anointing called along with you. The way we tap into his supply is through relationship. It's not through habits. It's not through being good or not being too bad, or being on, or being off, or being up, or being down, or being motivated, or not being motivated. No, it comes through relationship. Not relationship with your pastor, or spiritual leaders, or your spouse, or 
friends or people. No. So your relationship with the Christ, the Christ, the Christos, the anointed one, the Emmanuel, the one called alongside us. He supplies us with all we could ever ask or think or imagine through what? Through knowing and trusting him, receiving a full abundant supply through our relationship with Christ. You know, when I was far away from Christ, when, you know, my sons, they'll say, come on, Dad, what do you do? Y'all, you talk about that, you know, total three cars and party out of two colleges and holding a flag and tennis shoes in the winter on the county road. And we know it's true, Dad, but, man, you use that a lot. You know, the reason I use it a lot, I want you to realize that if God can use somebody like me, he can use you. God can use me, he can use anyone. And I want you to know from the depth of my heart today, no matter where you are, if you're up and out or down and out, and I truly mean that, If you're up and out or down and out or in between, he's more than enough. He's got all you need. He's got your supply. He's got it. But it comes through relationship. Lord, you tell me what to do. It's like Nahum when he came and he had leprosy, the great general, right? And when he came to Elisha and and, and to be healed. And Gehaziel, his assistant prophet, protege was there. And it says when, when Nahum came in, he, he was upset because what? The prophet said, go to the river. And it was the muddy, dirty, dirty sewage, stinky river at the time. And dip yourself seven times. And he's like, I, I would go dip seven. I'm a, I'm a general. I'm a king. Why would I go do that? And the servant to Nahum said, oh, master, just obey the prophet and you'll be healed. And he did it. And when he did it, he was healed. And when he came back on the seventh time, it says not the first through the sixth, but the seventh time he got new flesh like a baby's skin and new life. And the death sentence was gone. And he came back with his military and he was going to give a huge offering to the prophet. But the prophet sent his protege out and said, just tell him I don't need anything. And the protege cut a deal and pocketed a little bit and ended up destroying his life and ministry. But the prophet didn't do it to get something from the general. He did it because he had something to give. If you're going to be a difference maker, you've got to have something to give. It takes more than money. It takes more than time. It takes things that make eternal differences. There's people sitting in your family room, living room, in your car, wherever you are today, and they're hearing this message with you. Do you have what they need? Does your husband, your wife, your kids... Your friends, your cousins, people you work with, your neighbors, people you go to church with, do they they have what they need? Your parents, your grandparents, do they have what you need? Do you have what they need? Instead of looking for someone to give me what I need, I need to be in relationship with my Savior, my Christ, the anointed one, Emmanuel, the one called alongside me, grace, he is grace, I need to be one with grace so I can be the one to give to others. Remember what the apostles said whenever they came to the temple and the the man had been crippled his whole life was there. And they said, silver and gold, as we have none. Silver and gold, we have none, but as we have, we give you. And they grabbed his hand and said, rise up in the name of Jesus and walk. And he was healed instantly. And they were beaten and put in jail for it. But what were they saying? I can give you money. If I give you money, what, that's nothing. That's temporary. But I want to give you 
life again. I want to give you healing. I believe that's what God wants to do right now, right where you're at. I believe right where you're at, He wants to give you life. I believe right where you're at, He wants to heal you. Maybe He needs to heal your finances. Maybe He needs to heal your marriage, your relationship with your mom or your dad or your relationship with your kids or your friends or your relationships with Him. But there's somewhere, whatever you're missing, whatever is broken, it can only be reconnected through relationship. And it starts with the relationship, with the grace, the Christ, the anointed one, the Emmanuel, the one called alongside you. And when that happens, it activates faith. What is faith? Now faith is what? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is it? It is a substance. It's a matter. It's a material. Some places in the Bible calls it a spirit, and it's called different things, right? Mustard seed, a spirit. Faith is a substance, and that substance is what brings you freedom. That substance is what brings you into communication with God, because without faith, He cannot hear you. Without faith, the prayer of petition, He can't hear any other prayer. We can only be saved, what? By grace through faith. By faith through grace. Faith activates grace. And God gave every unbeliever faith to get saved. And he gave every believer faith to walk in the ultimate grace he has for you. So when I have faith and I pray, I go back to Jeremiah 33, right? Jeremiah, I mean 30. I come back and I commune and converse with him. And when I commune and converse and ask and receive from him, what's he do? He doesn't give me evil things. He gives me good things. He gives me peace. He gives me a future. He gives me a hope. Then what do I do? I seek him. And it's not hide and seek. When I seek him, then he said, you will find me. I believe some of you need to find him today. Right now, you're far away from Christ or you've never known him as Lord and Savior. You need to find him today. It's done. The hunt's over. The seeking's over. You need to get down on your knees right now. I don't care who's around you. I don't care if you're listening on your iPod or, you know, out in public. Get down on your knees right now and seek him because he's found you right now. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I'm so far from you. I'm undone. I'm lost. I'm far away from you. I've never known you. Come into my life. Forgive me, God, for the sin of separation. Forgive me for not knowing you and not accepting you. Forgive me for sin. Come into my life. Be, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. I receive you now, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. My Emmanuel, my Lord called alongside me, my Savior, the King of Kings. And I receive your grace to be born again, that old things pass away and all things become new. I become a new creature, a son or daughter of God right now in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer right now, friend, make sure you put it in the comments. We need to know. They'll, they'll put something in the comments. You can text and connect with us, but don't be alone. We have men and women that they got extra time now. They're looking for people like you to love on. They're looking for people like you to mentor. We do so much online every day. There's teaching, live teaching and inspiration every day. 
either at noon or in the evening and sometimes both times. You don't have to miss out on anything. And we'll have people individually connect with you, call you, love you, lead you, guide you. Let us connect with you. As you become one with Christ, let us become one with you. And together we can make an eternal difference. And for all of you others out there that know Christ, stop, think, pray. I just gave you a couple of mine. Get along with God and begin to write down some of those questions you have. Be bold, be brave, and, and give them to him. It's, nobody else needs to see him. It's just you and God. Don't show people. I only do it because God asked me to. If he asks you to, that's one thing. I'm not doing it to say, look what I said to God and God did for me. I'm just telling you humbly that if you seek him, you'll find him. And find the scriptures that tell you what God says about you. And if you do that, you won't be depressed, you won't be in fear, and you won't be in lack. I love you. Check out what we're doing online. Check out what we're doing every day. And I'll see you right here again next week so that you will become the difference maker that makes a difference in difficult times. See you soon.